Hello and welcome to our podcast series Inside Impact Investing. My name is Rosa Veldmeijer. I'm fund manager at Tridels Investment Management. And together with two experts from the field, I'm diving into a current hot topic within the impact investing industry. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the EU Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, or for short, the SFDR. What is it exactly? Why was it developed? And has it reached its goals? I'm going to discuss these questions with Elena Avaras, Legal Officer for Sustainable Finance at the European Commission, and my colleague Nikki Pelser, Impact Manager, also at Triodos Investment Management. A warm welcome to you both. And to start with you, Elena, can you explain why the SFDR was developed in the first place and what is its intended result? Sure. Well, thank you very much. To start with, the SFDR is basically this regulation sustainability-related disclosures in the financial service sector. It was uh, adopted, first of all, as a proposal by the Commission as part of a package, the first, the very first sustainable finance package, in order to basically enhance the transparency towards end investors about the, the sustainability of the investments that, that they were financing. So, in a way, It regulates only those cases where there is a principal agent situation and the objective is to enhance the availability of information towards the the end investor so that he or she is informed about the strategies of the financial market participant and the features of the product that he or she offers. So the idea here is to both improve the knowledge of, of the end investor of the strategies of the FMP, more uh, at an entity level point of view, if, if we want to call it like that, but also to improve the, the specific information that is available about the different financial products that are offered. So this information is relevant and required both from the point of view of the risks of, of these products to sustainability factors and also from the point of view of the impacts that these products may have in these factors. So basically, the regulation applies since March 2021, but we basically have adopted some what we call regulatory technical standards in delegated acts by the Commission that specify a bit more the details of what exactly needs to be disclosed. And these uh, have just started applying in January this year. So this is a bit of a broad overview of, of what the SFDR is about. And... Maybe the listener has heard about these different classifications in the SFDR. So there are Article 6, Article 8 and Article 9 funds. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the difference between these articles? Well, this brings me to a bit of a tricky issue. I don't want to expand too much on it, but the regulation has been misused as a labeling regime rather than a transparency regime. So that's why we, we always see this use of Article 6, 8 and 9 a bit more like a naming, like, like a label. However, and uh, sticking to the nature of the SFDR, the idea here is to provide for different disclosure obligations depending on the characteristics of a given financial product. So basically, those products that consider risks in their investment decision-making process would have to disclose according to Article 6 certain information about precisely the consideration of risks. Those other products that promote, among other characteristics, environmental or social characteristics, will have to disclose according to Article 8. And for that, they will have to give a bit more information of 
or about the good governance practices of the companies they invest in and how they justify that these environmental or social characteristics are, are indeed in the product they offer. And then finally, we have the disclosures required under Article 9 that basically apply to those products that have sustainable investment as their objective. And in this sense, these products will have to give more information and more details about why do they consider that the objective of the product is a sustainable investment. And for that, we have in the, in the regulation a definition of sustainable investment that includes three elements, the contribution of the activity in which it's invested to an environmental or social objective, to do no significant harm to any of those objectives, and the need also for the company in which it's invested to have good governance practices. So there are different elements in the regulation that uh, help or, or guide investors uh, in complying with these requirements. But it's important to note that as the SFDR stands today, this is a transparency framework. And therefore, these articles only entail disclosure obligations, but no real categories of products, although we all see that the market is using them a bit slightly differently. But maybe we can talk about that later. Nikki, uh, moving over to you. We just heard quite a few requirements under the SFDR. Now, Triodos Investment Management as a 100% impact investor, it sounds as if implementation of the SFDR would be rather straightforward for us. Is that assumption correct? I can imagine that some people have that impression, indeed being a, a 100% impact-focused uh, asset manager. In reality, however, that's that's really different. And I think that's mainly because also some new concepts have been introduced. So Elena already referred to a do-no-significant-harm principle. And that also introduces some indicators, so-called principal adverse impact indicators. So that mentions something on the negative impact that your investments have on people and planet. So those indicators, even though Triodos has always has its own minimum standards to really exclude negative impact of investments, are a new harmonized standard of looking into that. And I think that mainly for projects, but also for companies that operate outside of the European Union, that was really a challenge in terms of getting the actual data in place. So think of greenhouse gas emissions of a small farmer in India. That's, that's really hard to get to that data in practice. Besides that, it was mainly a time-intensive process. So understanding what is really the intention of the regulation of some of the articles, but also the adjustments in our processes and documentation. And simply the fact that we have 16 funds. So for all of those funds, we need to adhere to the, all the requirements and implement them. Sounds like a massive uh, job. Now at Riedels Investment Management, all our funds are classified as Article 9. Was it difficult to obtain this Article uh, 9 classification for the funds? Yeah, I think in principle, as mentioned, the key focus is already impact in the investment process. So that really helped us and is very much in line with the requirements of a so-called Article 9 fund. Besides that, it's mainly time intensive to get that classification to implement all the requirements. And what we did see is that mainly for bond funds, it was a challenge. And that is because in terms of impact bonds or green bonds, the product offering is uh, sometimes quite limited. So then as an Article 9 fund requires all of its investments to contribute to the sustainable objective, that can be quite a challenge. But in the end, uh, we managed to have all of them indeed classified as Article 9. Wow, that's quite an achievement. Elena, coming back to you, what do you think about how the funds are currently divided across the different articles? 
Is this what the commission was expecting? <laughs> I think we can't say that the commission wasn't expecting this misuse of the SFDR when it proposed it in, in the first place. The idea and the legal basis of this regulation is to be a transparency framework, purely a transparency framework. So I don't think we anticipated this use, as I say. The problem, of course, is that because that wasn't the intention of the regulation in the first place, the definitions, the concepts, the way in which certain articles are articulated don't really fit that use as a labeling or categorization regime. So I think that is why we are seeing certain problems uh, right now as regards maybe the lack of uh, comparability between different approaches taken by different financial market participants, which if we look at this from the point of view of a transparency framework is not something negative because the whole idea was to give the possibility for different investment strategies to, to explain themselves. So to be able to justify when uh, a product was uh, claiming to be green or sustainable. But if the framework is misused as a labeling regime, then Indeed, the, the concepts around it do not serve this purpose. They are not that specific. They don't have minimum criteria or minimum standards to basically delineate or, or limit a bit where does one category finish and when the other starts. So we are saying that the result of this are basically similar concerns from different stakeholder groups, even if from different angles. In the end, everything comes down to the same the fear of greenwashing risk, the perceived lack of legal certainty in the regulation. So this is making uh, not only the industry nervous, but also supervisors and civil society. We're now in the process of analyzing what's the situation and maybe I can elaborate on this a bit later, but we think we have to look a bit more in depth into the SFDR in the coming months. I think if you look from a commercial perspective, it's also interesting to consider such a label. It can help to not only provide transparency, but also maybe drive more investments to sustainable investment products, which is also one of the objectives of the EU Sustainable Finance Action Plan. Is that something you are considering? Good question. I mean, of course, if the industry has used this regulation as a kind of labeling regime, it's because there is a need for that. There is this will of, of being able to point at a product and say, this is green, this is sustainable, and and there are different kinds. There's a wide spectrum, if you like, in this realm. This is something we would probably look into, the need for maybe defining a bit more in detail different categories of products. But I think this forms part of a much greater assessment of the SFDR and its shortcomings. And it's probably only one of the many aspects that we'll look into. And Nikki, what do you think our clients will notice about the SFDR? That really depends on the type of client. I think for the typical retail clients, they won't notice much. It's really the disclosures and, for example, fund prospectus or on the websites that are more detailed. But, for example, for a private banking client, they are being asked for their sustainability preferences. So they receive several questions on their sustainability preferences. And those answers are being matched to the information that asset managers such as Treaters Investment Management provide. And based on that matching, a certain fund offering is available to them. And we also see that for institutional clients and for fund distributors, there's much interest in Article 9 products, for example, more demand into, into having those funds. And they also see that it is indeed being used uh, as a label for sustainability. 
And you already pointed out earlier that also we at Triodos Investment Management had to make some changes to our process to make sure that we implement the SFDR in a proper way. But have we also changed our investment approach? No, that's something we actually did not change. Impact has always been, since Tridos Bank in the 1980s was, was founded, Impact was already at the core of the organization. So really offering financial products that benefit people and planet, that's still the case today. So in that sense, not much has changed in our investment process. We've always looked into impact. We have always managed sustainability risk, always looked into good governance. So that's not different. It's really the way we integrate the new requirements, but also disclose information. We do have to use a harmonized format about how do we present those elements of the investment process. That's all different. So what we disclose in a prospectus or on the website, that's all the uh, new information. And being more explicit, I think, in how we invest. And what we're now seeing since the implementation of level two of the SFDR since uh, January, that despite the efforts and the goal of the SFDR, we're seeing quite some different interpretations of the articles, right? Research shows, for instance, that some of these Article 9 funds are still investing in oil and gas. What do you think about that? Yeah, I can be really brief about that. Oil and gas are just not reconcilable with a sustainable world. It's not possible. They're non-renewable resources. They're polluters. They're bad for your health if, if you emit those resources. So that's not reconcilable. I think the challenge there is that gas, for example, is considered as a transition activity or resource under the EU taxonomy, which is another regulation. But in principle, at least as per our view, that's not something that, uh, that you can match, no. Elena, you already briefly touched uh, on that, but now the SFDR has been implemented. What are the next steps in the development of the SFDR? Basically, our commissioner decided last December that we would carry out a comprehensive assessment of the regulation. And this exercise, we're in the middle of the exercise and will last probably until the end of this commission's mandate. We feel there's a need to assess the problems and, and think a bit forward on possible solutions. But at the same time, it's also true that it's very early days. The RTS has just started applying this January. So we're going to have to do this exercise also a bit, if you like, a bit like a moving target, analyzing how the situation evolves in parallel. But it's important that this exercise is done, that we consult very widely with different stakeholder groups and that we identify what are, what are really the problems. In terms of timeline, we are basically holding some bilateral meetings and calls with different stakeholder groups. We'll have a public consultation this autumn and we will also organize certain workshops to discuss specific topics within small groups a bit, a bit more in detail in the autumn as well. So this would allow us to come to, to certain assessment of, of how's the situation and maybe how we see things going forward by the end of the commission. Of course, let's see what, what happens in the, in the coming years. Let's see what the future commission decides. The political context will change a lot. So it's, it's very difficult to, to preempt what, what will be decided then. But in any case, in the meantime, we've also been working in our level one Q&A. So in the Q&As of the SFDR that will be published probably still in March, uh, latest in April. And as you may also know, the SS are working on, 
on a revised RTS. So they are revising the the RTSs that started applying this January, mainly to expand the social indicators that are included in, in Annex 1 of the delegated regulation, but also to consider certain disclosures about decarbonization targets at product level. And this work is, is pretty advanced. The SS are going to launch a consultation in April. So we also invite you all to, to have a look at, at those changes because also to the extent possible, I think the SS are also uh, maybe fixing here and there or improving here and there slightly where slight consistencies could be enhanced or improved. They will probably also consult on those. So we are advancing in parallel to this assessment also with Q&As and we'll have to see if any form of guidance is necessary. But for the moment, the, there is no such decision taken. And as I say, we are in the middle of this process of really first assessing in a very comprehensive manner, taking also into account other sustainable finance legislation that is intimately related to the SFDR to ensure that our conclusions are, are coherent and, and are sufficiently encompassing. It sounds, again, like a major job. And yes, for sure, we will have a look at the consultation. And also pleased that we're one of the stakeholders that were already consulted uh, by you. I think also great news on the social indicators. That's something that we also discussed on, on multiple occasions, Rosal, that yeah, there can be much more attention towards that. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And maybe one question on the, the carbon targets that you mentioned, Elena. We now see that 3.3% of the European funds is discloses according to Article 9. Do you feel that the developments go fast enough also to reach the EU's green ambition, for example, to reduce carbon to zero by 2050? Well, I think the idea behind the Commission's mandate to enhance a bit the information that is made available about those decarbonization targets at financial product level was indeed to move towards this target and to make it achievable in a way. But again, let's remember that we are constrained by the framework in which we are working. So it's a transparency framework. It would facilitate indeed better investment decisions because if if the information is there, then indeed the money can be reallocated towards pursuing that goal. So I think indeed it, it will help. But let's also remember that this is kind of step zero in the in the chain. The information is made available, then indeed the investment needs to flow there. But indeed, it's it's very important that the first step is is made. Nikki, you already sneaked in some recommendations <laughs> for the next steps of the SFDR. Could you summarize sort of the key message that we have for the European Commission for the next step? I think first of all, it's also good to mention that we are we welcome the regulation very much. I think it's a great achievement already to to have this implemented in the EU and to have a harmonized approach about how do we consider sustainability risk? How can we further improve the way funds incorporate impact in their uh, investments? And in terms of further improvement, I think for any type of regulation that is promoting this, it's already about the design principles, right? How can you make sure that the adverse impact of investments becomes clear? And how can you also make sure that that impact investing is being promoted? So I think in line with the SFDR regulation that can be done by making sure that there's a product level requirement on the principal adverse impact indicators. So to make sure that all funds have to disclose their negative impact. 
because now that's only a requirement for the Article 8 and the Article 9 funds. And to take that a step further, actually, I think it's important not only to disclose that, but also to attach consequences to that. What can asset managers do to further reduce that negative impact? I think that's one of the key uh, recommendations to, to start with. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, this brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. We're curious to hear your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.